0: The singing of the doxology by the PCC Student Body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. We're going to jump into the Word of God this evening, and I hope to be a blessing to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. This is a great church. The church at Thessalonica, the Apostle Paul uh, had a great fondness for this church. Uh, This was a church that did not have an extended amount of time of instruction from Paul, and yet, uh, seemed to take what uh, had been invested in their lives and uh, was doing a great work for the, for the cause of Christ. In the letter in which Paul writes to this church, um, he encourages them in several different ways. And I want t- to grab a phrase tonight, and then we're going to kind of walk that phrase through for just a moment. The Bible says this in First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 1, furthermore then, we beseech you understand the word beseech means to um, beg or to urge you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God right there that phrase alone would would bring attention it would it, it should cause us to uh, kind of perk up for just a moment and see what what he is going to say uh, concerning these things. He says, You have seen from us in the short time that we've had together. And now through this letter, you have heard from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Hey, y- young person, again, I say this that ought to matter. That really ought to matter. We ought, as children of God, uh, to desire to know how to walk. And how to please God. And I I just think that is a vital phrase that should grab our attention. So, the Bible says, ye would abound. I like this word abound. The word abound means to excel. Paul says, I want you to know how you ought to walk and how to please God so that you can abound, so that you can excel more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Notice this phrase. For this is the will of God. We're going to finish this passage in just a moment, but I want us to pause for just a minute and emphasize this phrase, the will of God. Sorry about that. I know I got it. When I say that, I'm supposed to change my voice, right? Um, That's just kind of protocol for a preacher. Uh, When he's preaching on this topic, he's supposed to alter his voice, and it should say something like this, tonight... I am preaching on the will of God. (laughs) Isn't that kind of the way that feels sometimes? I mean, seriously, it it seems like as a teenager, whenever a preacher would approach this phrase, for some reason he felt the need to deepen his voice. And maybe you can help me tonight. We're going to preach on, ready, would you help me? The will of God. I love the way you did that. That is great. And, and it's amazing to me, oftentimes when I would hear a message on the will of God, I, I still came away a little confused, uh, just a tad bit, about exactly what that looks like. We see this phrase specifically six times in the Word of God. Or can I say it this way? When, it, when this phrase is used, it's only referring to six different main thoughts or six different topics, and we're going to kind of cruise through that tonight. And the Bible says here that Paul is encouraging this church to walk in a way that is right and that is pleasing to God so that they might excel. And in the midst of this instruction, he says this, you know what we've commanded you and what the will of God is. Now, let's, let's kind of define for a moment what the will of God is is not. And I think it would uh, be wise of us to kind of look at a definition of the will of God and then uh, maybe to take some time quickly to see what the will of God is not. We're going to define it as this. The will of God is what God wishes to be done by us through commands, precepts, will, choice, inclination, desire, or pleasure. That's a mouthful. But that's the idea that God gives us in the text. What, what is God's will? God's will is what God desires or wishes to be done by us through commands, precepts, will, choice, inclination, desire, and pleasure. Here's what the will of God is not. And here's what we often think when we think about the will of God. It, it's just the way it is. We look at the will of God like um, that, that diet that we really don't desire— but we know we need, right? It's almost like the will of God is treated like um, some diet program. I know I've got to lose weight, and I get it, and I know I need to exercise a little bit, and there are some things that I can eat, and there are some things that I can't eat, and this is such a drudgery. Oh, diets are so hard. We don't get to eat anything good when we're on a diet. Obviously, I don't know what that's like, But uh, you understand the idea behind this this word diet, and that's sometimes how we treat the will of God. Secondly, we oftentimes treat the will of God like it's a lottery ticket, Meaning, meaning some people get it and some people don't. Some people find the will of God, and some people miss the will of God. And and it's almost like we've got to play this game of chance. I hope that I land, I hope I hit it, and I hope I please God with my life, and I hope He's not in heaven waiting to uh, launch lightning bolts because I'm not stepping in the right spot. The will of God. I've oftentimes watched people treat the will of God like they're playing connect the dots. Anybody ever played connect the dots? Raise your hand. You, You know what I'm talking about. And and here's how we treat the will of God. God, do you want me to go to college? Okay, good, good. I I got that one. What college? This one? Oh, no. That one? And now we've connected the dot. Okay, all right. What do you want me to be? Ooh, I don't want to step there. I may fall through the platform, right, and disappear for the rest of my life. Or I can step on the right dot, and I get it right And All right, the next big one, who am I going to Mary. marry? I just want to be in the center of God's will. I don't want to marry the wrong girl. I don't want to marry the wrong guy. And, and I've been stepping all over, and it's like a landmine. It's like a landfill, right? Everything's blowing up around me. I must not be in the will of God. You know, it, it, the will of God is not that confusing. Watch, if the Bible isn't confusing, if the Bible is clear, then the Word of God should clearly indicate what the will of God is and 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 I think it would be again especially in this stage of our lives to understand what that is so that I can walk are, are you ready confidently in it so that I might in the will of God please him shouldn't that be our greatest desire and so we're going to spend some time in the Word of God. We're going to turn some pages tonight, and we're going to see what the will of God is. David said this in Psalm 143, verse 10. He said, teach me to do thy will. It was important to David. For thou art my God, thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. I love what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, that ye may stand perfect and complete in The will of God. College student, it's possible. Mom and dad, it's possible. Campus church member, it is possible to be in the center of God's will. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but, but to the will of God. What a great thought. I don't have to live like the world. I can live in the will of God. Our Lord said this, not my will, but yours be done in Luke chapter 22 and verse 42. Totally, constantly devoted to the Father's will. He lived his life on that commitment alone. He said, I am come to do the will of God, my Father. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. Remember that prayer, that model prayer? It says this, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, would you say the rest with me, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We understand the way God's will works. First of all, there's the will of God that fully belongs to Him, and then there's the will of God concerning you and I, and within His sovereignty, our ability to make a choice, to choose to believe Him. There are things that God has willed. The Bible says in Psalm 33, 6 through 10, whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did He in heaven and in earth and in the seas and all the deep places. All is done according to His desire. All is done according to His power. He is sovereign over all. He's the one that set the earth upon His axis, and He's the one that continues to allow it to make its rotation. He's the one that's designed me and you, and we have no choice about how our DNA has been given to us. God chose to set that in motion. But then our Lord gives us His will, and in that He gives us the ability to choose to follow or not to follow. God's law, the laws of God. And He understands that there's going to be failure. He knew that we would miss the mark. That's why he sent his only begotten Son. He desires for us to walk in his will, but he knows us, and no one knows us better. And so, that wonderful God, that Lord, has given us in his Word the ability to understand what his will is. And so, here we go. Let's walk through this tonight. Number one, God's will. God's will is is for you to be saved. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2 tonight. We're going to look at verses 3 through 5, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 3 through 5. As you're turning there, I'm going to begin to read. Here's what the Bible says, "'For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior.'" ready, who will, who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. The Word of God is clear that God wills, He desires that all of us be saved. There is not one person in this room who God does not will and does not desire to be saved. Matter of fact, the Bible says this in Second Peter chapter three verse nine. "The Lord is not slack. I love this passage concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but it's long-suffering to usward, ready? Not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God's desire is not for some men to be saved. God's desire is that all men be saved. And He is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Listen to what I'm saying. It is God's will for you to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. It is God's will for you to recognize that you are broken tonight. You are a sinner There is none righteous, no, not one. All of us are condemned in our sin already." All of us deserve wrath and punishment because of our sin, for the wages of sin is death. Your paycheck, what you deserve to be you, is death, eternal separation from God in a place called hell. God didn't design hell for you. God designed hell for Satan and his angels. He never had an intent for you to be there, but those who reject him will spend an eternity in that place, and that's not God's will for you. God's will for you is for you to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Some of you are sitting here tonight, and the reason you struggle with understanding God, the reason you struggle with the will of God is because you're not a child of God, and you can't hear His voice, and you don't understand His ways and His thoughts. But the Bible says those of us who call upon Him, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and clearly shows us the direction of God— Listen to me, there are some that are going to cry, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Why? Because church attendance is not listed as necessarily in this list of things that, that God says is his will. What is his will is that we be saved. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, do not put your faith in your good works. Do not put your faith in your attendance. Be sure you know that you're saved tonight. That is God's will. The Bible says this in John chapter 6 and verse 38, for I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. Praise God for that but should raise it up again at that last day. And this is the will of Him that sent me. Are you ready? That everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up that last day. College student, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Has there been a time in your life where you called upon Him and put your faith and trust in Him to be saved? Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner, but I believe that you sent your darling son to die upon the cross of Calvary, and you shed your blood to cover my sins, and I am calling upon your name, and I am confessing that you are Lord, and I believe that you died and rose again for me, and I'm asking you to save me. If not, you're not saved. It was right here on this campus that I remember asking a person, hey, are you sure that you're going to heaven when you die? And she looked me in my eyes, and she said this on this campus. She said, well, I do remember a time when me and my friends were at this concert, and the music was just amazing. These are her words. And she said, we all came down to the altar, and we huddled together, and we cried. And when we got up, I knew I was saved. I said, ma'am, you're not saved if that is your testimony. It's not an emotional moment. I can sing you a Garth Brooks song and we can all cry together, but when we get up, we're not saved. That, that's, just, that's just the way it is. Salvation is not an emotionalism. Salvation's not just a shed tear. And there's a lot of us sitting here and we're, we're basing our faith on some emotional moment that we can't find verification for in the Word of God. I remember asking a man one time, are you saved? He said, yeah, I'm saved. I said, how do you know you're saved? He said, I was driving down the interstate. He said, I lost control of the car. I ran off the road. I overcorrected. It, it spun off the highway. It rolled three or four or five times. When it came upright, I was in the back seat, and I saw these lights. I'll never forget it. He said, I saw these lights moving around my head, and I knew it was angels and that God had saved me. I said, give me a bat, and I'll make those things sparkle again that you saw that night. It's amazing what we put our faith in. He just survived an accident. He wasn't saved. He doesn't know Jesus Christ as his Savior. I remember on this campus, a young lady came to me crying and weeping, and I said, What is wrong? She said, I just don't know if I'm saved. I said, Well, why don't you trust Jesus Christ? And she said, Because my dad told me I I may not be picked or chosen. I don't find it in the Bible. It's God's will that all men be saved. And that's why He came and gave His life upon Calvary. And if you will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved today. Put your faith and trust in Christ. Call upon the name of the Lord. You say, but I'm at Bible college. What will people think? No, the question is, what will you think when you breathe your last breath on the other side of eternity? While you're wailing and gnashing your teeth in a place where the worm dieth not and the fire cannot be quenched, I would rather worry about now than have to think about it then. I sat up in not this balcony, but in the Dale Horton Auditorium, and here was the title of that message on a meeting just like tonight. Are you living on a hope? And I rewound my perfect little Baptist life. And I could not remember for sure a time when I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save me. And that was me. I was hoping that what people told me about a revival when time was right. But the fruit of my life did not bear my faith, and I did not see the work of Christ. And again, I recognize that, that we don't have to necessarily produce works in order to be saved. I believe that. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But the Bible says, if I am a child of God, there will be fruit. And I remember stepping out that night and kneeling on this side of that auditorium balcony and saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm tired of living on a hope. I know you want me to be saved. I know it's your will that I'm saved. Would every one of you tonight, I don't care what your background is, for just a moment, answer the question, am I in the will of God? Am I saved? If I breathe my last breath tonight, am I going to heaven? That's the will of God. Secondly, Open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter number 5, and let's look together at verse number 17. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 17. I'll give you some time to get there, although this is a familiar passage for many. I want us to see it this evening, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 17. Here's what the Bible says. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, I love this phrase, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine where is in excess. And notice this next phrase, but be ye filled with the Spirit. God's will for every one of us in this room is that we be spirit filled. Now, I believe the Bible teaches that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, and at that moment, you have all the Holy Spirit that you're going to ever have. The Word of God clearly teaches that the Spirit of God comes to live inside of those who claim Jesus Christ as Lord. And we're sealed until the day of redemption. Praise God for that. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He resides inside of those who are believers. But the text says this understand what the will of the Lord is, be filled with the Spirit. The best visual illustration that I can give of this is that of a glove. Imagine tonight I had a glove and I pull it out of my pocket, a left-handed glove. I take my fist and I shove it up inside the glove. Think about it. Is all of my fist in the glove? Is all of my hand in the glove? Yes, it is. But if it's my fist, it's not filling the glove. So here's what the text is saying. The Bible's saying it is the will of God for you tonight to allow God not just to be in you, to live inside of you, but to fill you with His Spirit, to be in control of every part of your life. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. You don't have to wait on a second blessing. You already have all the Holy Spirit that you're going to ever need. What you need to do is, by the will of God, surrender all of yourself to the Spirit. That's the illustration of the text. Be not drunk with wine. When you and I drink alcohol—let me back up. You and I don't drink alcohol. When an individual drinks alcohol, okay, almost messed that whole illustration up. When an individual drinks alcohol, they become Uh, what the Bible is illustrating is controlled by the alcohol. That's the illustration of the text. A man uh, no longer can walk the way he used to walk because now he's under the influence of the alcohol. His speech is not what it was before because now he's under the influence of the alcohol. The little guy who was timid and scared is now ready to fight everybody. The big guy, who was always tough and macho, now he's he's at the bar crying like a baby. He is not in control. And this is what God is saying, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled under the control of the Holy Spirit. What you think, how you act, what you say. Everything you do under the control of the Spirit of God. God, can I do that? Okay, no? Good. I want to be in your will. God, should I do that? Yes? Good. I want to be in the center of your will. God wants us to be filled with His Spirit. His will is that you not operate in ignorance or in foolishness, but that you understand what God's will is, and that you walk in the Spirit. That is the will of God. So number one, God's will is for us to be saved. Number two, God's will is for us to be Spirit-filled. Number three, open your Bibles with me if you would to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses number 4 through 8. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 4 through 8. Back to the passage we began with. The Bible says this, Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk in and please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what the commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Watch, here it he goes, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Thirdly, it is the will of God that you be set apart. The word sanctification literally means that. The the word sanctification means to be set apart. So imagine tonight, if you would, we've just finished watching a football game. We've been given access to the locker room. Fifty football players come in. Ten of them decide to take a shower. Forty of them do not. Upon exiting the shower, at that moment, the definition of sanctification is this. Ten of them are now set apart from 40 of them simply by entering the shower and being cleaned. Being cleansed is a good word. So so the, the, the word set apart here, the word sanctification gives us the idea that something is going to take place in our life that sets us apart. Now in this passage, Paul is directly teaching the church at Thessalonica, let's please the Lord with our life. It is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you be set apart concerning the area of fornication, that is sexual sins, outside of the boundaries of marriage in any way. God has called his people to be set apart. No guy has to walk out of the shower and say, guess what? I'm different because I took a shower. No, he doesn't have to do that. The fact that he was in the shower and watched himself sets him apart from the other 40 players who did not. And in our culture today, God is calling the church, He's calling His people to be set apart, to go another level for God. And you won't have to walk around campus bragging about it. Just the fact that you're allowing God to do a work in you and set you apart is that process of sanctification. It is God's will tonight that you be sanctified, that you be set apart for the work of Christ to be an example of Jesus, that is why we are who we are. That sanctifying work that only God can do. First Peter 4, verse 1 says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live in the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. That passage is, again, teaching the importance of not living in the will of men or the ways of mankind, but living in the will of God, set apart unto God. That is God's will for your life. The Word of God says this in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. You know this one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed, right to this world, but be you. What's the word? Transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that it's that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. God is calling for His people to live a life that is set apart. That's the will of God. That's what God wants from us. That's what God wants from me. And can I ask this question? Would you have it any other way for me as the preacher to live a set-apart life? I mean, you guys hold us to a high standard. It bothers you to hear that a pastor is not practicing what he is preaching. Nobody picks out hypocrisy as well as this culture. But can I say this? This call is not for pastors. This call is for the child of God. So I hold you to the same standard. You and I don't walk on two different planes. This stuff is the same stuff that you're wearing. The temptations that I have are the same temptations that you have. So I have to make the same call to be set apart unto God, to live sanctified within the will of God as you have to. There's not a different standard for me and for you. There is a list in 1 Timothy 3 that I've got to abide by if I want to hold this office. But otherwise, I'm to be in the will of God and you're to be in the will of God. And when I fell, I'm to go before God and confess. When you fell, you're to go to God and confess. He wants us to be, number one, saved. Two, spirit-filled. Three, set apart. Number four, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, this is the will of God. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 13. If you want to see the entirety of the text, turn there with me. If not, there will be a portion on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, and as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. I want you to hear this tonight. It is God's will that you submit yourself to authority. It's clearly written. The Bible clearly says that it's God's will that we submit ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Again, I've been grateful, been grateful to enjoy a car that's been given to me to drive this week. The speedometer says 210. It's not mine, but it's been fun. I'm a Mustang fanatic. I enjoy it. Everything in me wants to go 210. Everything in me. But I don't like tickets, and I don't like blue lights. Zero to 60 is okay really fast, but when I get to that limit... I've got to be careful because I've been told by God that this is his will that I obey, whether in the presence of an officer or not. And so even when I saw the speed limit getting too high, I'm like, oh, I got to. I don't want to, but I got to bring it down. And sometimes we don't understand the rules. And sometimes we don't understand why, but God's never told us that our job is to understand the why. But did you know that learning to obey in any setting is just the process by which God prepares us to hear Him? To be an example of Him. Everybody rebels. But God's people who are set apart honors authority. Even when they don't understand that's the will of God. Number five, to endure suffering. First Peter chapter 3, verse 17 says, for it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. The Word of God says it's the will of God that you suffer, meaning this, all of us are going to go through difficult times. All of us are going to suffer All of us are going to have issues we face, but it's the will of God that if we suffer, we suffer for doing right, not for doing wrong. Hey, can I say this, please? All you Miss Goody Two-Shoes on campus, all of you young ladies that are looked at with that weird eye, you keep it up. You serve God. You're not here to make them happy. You're here for the audience of one. And the Bible says it's better that you suffer for doing good than how they're going to suffer for doing evil. And all you young men that want to do right in this building, you stay right in the middle of the will of God. And when that roommate makes fun of you this semester for being just a little bit over the top, and you get picked on, and they don't hang out with you, I'm telling you, and God is telling you, you lock in, because it'll be better for you to suffer for doing right than you to suffer like he will because of his sin. We're all going to go through difficulty. Life is challenging, but I want to be standing firm on the rock when the storm hits. That's the will of God. And you may not understand it, but I believe a day is coming and we're going to suffer more than we ever have before for the name of Christ. And that day is drawing nigh. That's the will of God. This life is full of sin. It is difficult, but the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him and well-doing as unto a faithful creator. First Peter five ten. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that he suffered for a while, make you perfect, establish you, strengthen and settle you, Trust him, even in difficulty, it's the will of God. Lastly, number six, it's the will of God. The Bible says in First Thessalonians chapter 5: 18, "Would you look with me? In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you. We live in an ungrateful culture. Here's what the will of God is. God, thank you. Thank you. God, I want to say thank you. Thank you for what I'm facing. Thank you for what I'm going through. and everything, give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you. God, thank you for how you're working in my life. I don't understand it, but I know you do, and you're great and mighty. And God, I just want to praise your holy name. God, thank you. Use me however you choose to. To be one with thanksgiving from your lips. God, thank you. This is the will of God are you ready? It's the will of God, number one, for you to be saved. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, I hope that you'll call upon Jesus today. Ask him to save you. He wants you to be saved. He's done everything he can so that you might can ha- could have eternal life. Number two, would you let God control every bit of you? Say, Holy Spirit, I'm yours. Take me and use me. Thirdly, would you be set apart for God? That's God's will, that we be set apart unto good works. Not in fornication, but living holy unto God. Fourthly, that you be submissive to authority. That's the will of God for you right now. Fifthly, that you suffer for the name of Christ. That's God's will. Sixthly, lastly, that you give him thanks and praise. That's the will of God. And would you hear what I'm saying right now, and I want you to be careful in how you're hearing this. If you're saved and spirit-filled and sanctified, submissive, suffering, and thankful, are you ready? Then do what you want to do. Marry who you want to marry. Go be what you want to be. Go to church where you want to go to church. Go to college where you want to go to college. Here's why, because the Bible says if I'm filled with the Spirit, I cannot walk in the flesh. If I'm in the will of God as a saved, sanctified, surrendered individual who is suffering for the name of Jesus Christ and set apart for his glory and satisfied with what God is doing in my life, then I can't be out of the will of God. Quit doubting God. Go serve him. Marry her. If she is doing the same six things in her life, you've got a good girl. Does that make sense? If she's been sleeping around with everybody, I would stay away from her. If she's not honoring her dad and the authority that's in her life, then she is not in the will of God, and you better run. Is is this making sense? If I'm in the will of God, if I'm following what God has said that He desires for me to be, and I am walking in His presence, I'm not going to want to misstep. And His Spirit is working in and through me to will and to do of His good pleasure. We make the will of God so hard when He clearly tells us what His will is. And we're waiting for some epiphany like He's going to write it in the clouds or send us a personal note. He has sent us a personal note. It's right here in your hand. Do the will of God. Are you saved tonight? The reason you're struggling the way that you are. Maybe you don't know Him. Maybe you need to come to an altar and confess Him as Lord and ask Him to save you of your sins. Maybe you've been living a lie for years, and tonight's the night to call upon God. Maybe some of you tonight just need to say, oh God, I give you all of me. Fill me with your Spirit. I've been bucking against authority all the time, and I can't be in your will if I do that. God, I want to be set apart unto you, sanctified for the master's use. I'm giving myself tonight, and I want to be satisfied with who you are and suffer for your namesake. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at PCCI.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.